Lift up the trumpet and loud let it ring, Jesus is coming again. Cheer up, you pilgrims, be joyful and sing, Jesus is coming again. This is the voice of prophecy, a voice crying in the wilderness of these modern days. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Again, coming again, Jesus is coming again. From our Voice of Prophecy studios in Los Angeles, California, we welcome you to this half hour of inspiration and music with the King's Heralds, Del Delker, Brad Braley, and the Voice of Prophecy speaker, H.M.S. Richards, a Seventh-day Adventist minister. The Christian life is an experience of progress, advancement, and growth in the grace of God. Or, as the old song puts it, I'm pressing on the upward way to higher ground. I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day, still praying as I onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand. By faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on scale the utmost height and catch a gleam of glory bright but still I'll pray till heaven I found Lord lead me on to higher ground Lord lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table Father in heaven, we pray that thou wilt bless everyone who hears the broadcast today. Help us to do our part here in the studio in a way that would honor thee. We pray for all the sick and the troubled, and those who have great problems. We pray for religious liberty throughout all the world. And this we ask in Jesus' name. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God, a place where sin cannot molest, near to the heart of God. Mm. 
O Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God, hold us who bow before thee, near to the heart of God. Sing, no. 
nothing but the blood of Jesus. All my praise for this I bring, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. the blood of Jesus. Here now is H.M.S. Richards, the voice of prophecy speaker, who will answer Bible questions. Our first question asks, tell me something about the Bible itself as to its length, its number of chapters, and so forth. Well, the Bible contains uh, 66 books, 1,189 chapters, 31,072 verses, 773,746 words. That is the King James Version in English. There may, of course, be variations in the number of letters according to different counters. The word Lord appears 1,853 times. The middle verse is Psalm 118, verse 8. In Ezra 7, 21, we find all the letters of the alphabet except J. The 19th chapter of 2 Kings and the 37th chapter of Isaiah are almost identical. The longest verse in the Bible is Esther 8, verse 9, and the shortest is John 11:35. Of this wonderful book, the Bible, called also the Holy Scriptures, we should remember the words of Jesus when he said, Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. John 5:39. Next, can you tell me which church will save my soul? Well, my answer would have to be this. No church can save your soul or anyone else's soul, but Jesus Christ can. Are you sure of this? Yes. Because we read in Scripture, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Acts 4:12. It's the duty of every church to proclaim the gospel of Christ and bring men to the Savior, of whom it is written in Matthew 1.21, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. But someone may say, How do we find this salvation? What must we do? Listen to these words of Acts 16.31, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And again in John 1.12, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. But will he receive us? He will indeed. He said, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. John 6:37. Here's the letter that asks, If I follow my conscience and everything, will I not be all right with God? To be safe in following the conscience, one must be sure that the conscience is guided and instructed by the word of God. In Acts 23, 1, we read of a good conscience. In 1 Corinthians 8, 7, of a weak conscience and of a defiled conscience. In 1 Timothy 4, verse 2, we read of a conscience seared with a hot iron. In Hebrews 9, 14, of a conscience that must be purged from dead works. And in Hebrews 10, 22, of an evil conscience. So it's certainly clear that one may follow his conscience and be entirely wrong. We may have an evil conscience, a defiled conscience, or an ignorant conscience. 
A fruit steamer from Jamaica reached New York one day with its compasses in a very strange plight. Each of them was eight points off the true. A bolt of lightning had struck the ship in the tropical seas. Several of the crew were stunned, a good deal of destruction done. The compasses were put out of commission, and for the rest of the voyage the captain had to navigate in the ancient way by the stars. So the compass of the conscience is not always a safe guide. It may be the voice of pride, of bigotry, of self-will. It may have been struck by a bolt of passion, as someone has suggested. How, then, shall we steer our lives if we do not have the compass of the conscience? Just as the captain of that fruit ship did, in the old-fashioned way, by the stars, that is, by the Bible and prayer. It's written in the Scripture, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. Psalm 119, 105. Of the word of God as a guide to salvation, the apostle wrote, The holy scriptures are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 3.15 Another question asks, Can you give me some Bible text regarding healing? Yes, indeed. First, Psalm 103, verse 3. Speaking of God, Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. So we see that God is able to heal all disease. King Hezekiah was about to die from a severe sickness. In answer to prayer, he was healed and 15 years added to his life, as recorded in Isaiah 38, 5. We read of the work of Jesus in healing the sick, Matthew 4, 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And of this wonderful work of beneficence carried on by our Savior, we read, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Matthew 8, 17. I might recommend also that our questioner read James 5, 14 and 15. Another listener asks, Why do you say so much about the Sabbath? The fact is we've said nothing about the Sabbath in this broadcast for many, many months. Since our friend has brought up the subject, I will simply quote the fourth commandment of the ten, found in Exodus 20. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou honor thy son, daughter, manservant, maidservant, cattle, stranger than thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and hallowed it. Our next question, does the Holy Scripture teach the divinity of Christ? Yes, it does, plainly, without a doubt. In Hebrews 1, 8, and 9 we read of Jesus, But unto the Son he that is God saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. The question might be asked, did his incarnation annul his divinity? It did not, for it's written in 1 Timothy 3.16, God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Here's another letter. Dear sir, you often quote the Bible as authority, but since no one knows who wrote all the books of the Bible, why should we recognize or accept it as authority? There are various important things which we accept as true, but of whose origin we are totally ignorant. 
It is said that a skeptic once came to Dr. Pentecost, the great preacher, with the objection that he did not believe in the Bible because he did not know who wrote all the books of it. Dr. Pentecost replied with this question, Is not the multiplication table a work of authority with mathematicians? Most certainly. But do you know who its author is? Uh, no, I do not. Then, said Dr. Pentecost, I assume that being a scientific man and a conscientious skeptic, you never use the multiplication table. Oh, yes, he replied, I use it because it proves itself true by its works. And that, friend, is exactly why we use the Bible. The Scripture says of itself, Holy men of God, spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, Second Peter 1.21. That's the true origin of the Bible. It was written by the Holy Spirit through human instruments. Next, isn't it in harmony with the Word of God to work on the Sabbath in order to keep a job? The Bible says that if your donkey falls into a pit on the Sabbath day, you should pull him out. Yes, the Bible does say that, and you will find the words in Luke 14, 5. But certainly this text gives no license to the believer to work on God's holy day. Once there was an employer who used this argument in an attempt to get a devout Christian to violate the Sabbath. Doesn't your Bible say that if your donkey falls into a pit on the Sabbath, you're to pull him out? Yes, replied the other. But if my donkey had the habit of falling into the same pit every Sabbath, I'd either fill up the pit or get a new donkey. And really, friends, that's a good answer. In Psalm 34, 14, it's written, Depart from evil and do good. This listener writes, Dear Voice, Sometimes it seems that there is no use for me to try to do good. I know so little, and I have so little influence. What little good I could do, or what little word I could say, would never really influence this great world. So... What is the use to try? It's important that each one does his bit, however small. First, because it's written, To him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not to him it is sin. James 4.17 Secondly, no one knows what even the smallest effort may accomplish under the blessing of God. Jesus spoke of the mustard seed as being very small, yet growing to the greatest of herbs. Again, we're not to despise the day of small things. Zechariah 4.10 Remember the parable of the talents. The man who had ten talents used them and made ten more. The man who had five made five more. But the man who had just one wrapped it up in a napkin and hid it in the ground. I suppose he thought it was no use, for he had only one because he wrapped it up. It probably was in small change at that. But when the master returned, he condemned him for not using the one talent which he had. We are responsible only for what we have, our influence, our time, our money, our life. Each one of us must give account of himself to God. Romans 14:12. No man knows what tremendous influence his acts may have, his word produce. For instance, some people do not vote because they think their vote will not count. In 1952, the presidential vote in Kentucky was 495,729 for Stevenson and 495,029 for Eisenhower. Just 701 votes decided Kentucky's choice for the President of the United States. 701 people who felt that their vote was insignificant could have changed an important political decision for their state. The presidential vote in Tennessee that year was 446,147 for Eisenhower and 443,710 for Stevenson. Just a little over 2,000 votes decided the issue. Back in the 1840s in DeKalb County, Indiana, there lived a grain miller. On election day, he started to his mill to grind his grain. But on the way, he met some friends who persuaded him to go and vote instead. The record showed that the candidate to the state legislature won by one vote, and the miller had voted for him. Later, that same legislator 
cast a deciding vote that sent Edward Allen Hannigan to the United States Senate. When the question of statehood for Texas came up for a vote, Hannigan was acting as president pro tem of the Senate. The vote was tied, and Hannigan cast a deciding ballot in favor of admitting Texas to the Union. After that, no one could ever convince that Indiana Miller, nor the people of Texas either, that his vote was insignificant. Just as one vote may change the whole history of the world, so our vote, our act, our decision, our word, our prayer, yours or mine, can mean much to ourselves and others. Our last question, can you tell a plain man in plain words how to get to heaven? Yes, indeed. This same question was once asked of a famous bishop of the Church of England who replied, Yes, sir, turn to the right and go straight ahead. Properly interpreted, that's the correct answer. Let us put it in Bible words. First, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Acts 16.31 Second, repent. Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Luke 13.3 Third, confess Christ. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10.9 4. Be baptized. Go forward in obedience to God in this ordinance. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Mark 16.16 16. If you've given your heart to God and are his child through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will live a life in harmony with his word as far as you know it. The faith that saves is the faith which produces good works. For we, that is, those who believe, are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Ephesians 2.10 And as you go forward in faith, friend, Obeying the word of the Lord, you will grow in grace and in his likeness from day to day. The engineer who built the Brooklyn Bridge was confined to his bed during the construction of that fabric. Day after day, looking through a telescope from his window, he watched the piers rise and the spiderweb of cable stretch out across the river. It had all been planned and held in his mind's eye before one stone was laid, one bolt fastened. When the bridge was finished, he exclaimed, It's precisely what I expected it to be. And by his grace, that's what the Lord Jesus will be able to say of us, that our life and character are according to his plans and purposes and specifications. Let us so live that whatever others may say or do or what other eyes may be upon us, we may live as in the great builder's eye and at last find our place in his kingdom forever.
someday when the summons shall come, no tomb shall my spirit confine. A legion of angels shall carry me home, for the wealth of all heaven is Now, friend, until we meet again, let us keep looking up, always going forward in faith. Have faith in God, nor from his word depart. Have faith in God, life's science and its art. Have faith in God, and rest for every heart. Have faith, dear friend, in God. We hope this program has served to bring blessing to you. Listen next week for another broadcast brought to you by the voice of prophecy. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace.